Welcome to the Happiest Ever After podcast. I'm your host, Tatiana Robertson. And yes, you heard right, happy-ish. Because this podcast is not about chasing the fairy tale. We've seen behind the curtain and most of us are ready to hop off the hamster wheel of perfection. If you've ever wondered, how'd I end up in this life? How can I change it? What do I want from life? Is there more? Then this podcast is for you. The fairy tale may not be real, that's the good news because life is an amazing adventure and it's time for you to pick up the pen and write your own story. So let's get started and see where this journey takes us. I'm so excited today to have Becky Upchurch here to talk with us. And she's going to be talking all about big, big, deep breath boundaries. <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> we all have to take a deep breath because who here hasn't struggled with them or isn't actively struggling with them. But first, a little bit about Becky. Becky helps professional women who feel like there's just not enough time to do it all, which I think is almost every professional woman that I know and am in contact with and who are just getting tired of going through the motions. And she helps them identify what really matters most to them and then get a plan to get them out of their own way, because really so often it's us that's in our own way. In 2019, Becky founded the Women's Growth Circle, which is a community that provides inspiration, resources, and support to empower growth-minded women to create the change they want for their lives. And Becky believes that the fastest and best way to achieve your goals is by managing your mindset and trusting in your ability to create sustainable change. And she strives to accomplish this in her own life through her motto of love self, serve others, which is such a beautiful motto. So welcome, Becky. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And um, I'm very excited to be talking about boundaries, which is super weird because I feel like I never would have imagined that that's something I would have said, but it's a topic where the more I talk about it, the more I see the need to talk about it and to kind of talk about how we perceive boundaries and illuminate some things that we don't always think about and help women, especially to really see that boundaries aren't a bad thing. I think a lot of us are kind of social to think like if you're a nice person, you're going to be very kind and very generous with your time and talents and energy. And I would argue that you can be that and still have really strong boundaries. And so that's kind of one of my new missions in life is to, to help folks with that. And that's a great mission. And I must say, do you feel like sometimes you're drawn to work specifically because it's an area that you need work in? So interestingly, I do. I do believe that's very true. And I've had that conversation with a lot of people. I was told that early on in my coaching, um, I can't remember if it was in my training or just early on in my coaching career, where somebody said, and be prepared because you're going to attract the clients who are working on things that you're also working on. So, um, you know, just having that, that kind of awareness. And so I do definitely think that's true. Some of the things that I'm most passionate about talking about are areas that I'm really kind of focused on in my own life. I think the boundaries one, it's definitely something I think we all need. I think I've gotten to a point where, you know, I'm certainly, you know, I feel like nobody's ever an expert. Nobody ever hits the end goal. It's we're all evolving all the time. But I think for me, the reason why I get so excited now about boundaries is because it's a space where I feel like I have made a lot of progress. 
And so it's kind of exciting to be like, wait, I learned some things and let me share them with you. I think that's a big part of it too. And that's what creates a lot of the passion and the drive too. Isn't that what we love about people like Glennon Doyle or Brene Brown or Gabby Bernstein or Oprah Winfrey? Like a lot of powerful storytellers who drew their knowledge and their strength by actually starting to do their own work and then saying, wait a minute, I've actually developed some skills (laughs) And I've actually developed some understanding. Now let me serve others, which goes back to your motto. Mm -hmm. So it just makes such beautiful sense to me. Can I ask you if somebody's new to this conversation, uh, maybe they're just tuning in for the first time or they've kind of been thinking about boundaries, but can you define boundaries? So um, I'm going to start by talking about what I think boundaries are not, because I think this has been part of kind of my my evolution and how I understand boundaries is I feel like I always thought that boundaries were about parameters that you put up for other people around what they are and are not allowed to do. So kind of like, okay, I'm going to put up this boundary. So people aren't allowed to call me after 9 p.m. Or people aren't allowed to talk about this particular subject or whatever the, the boundary may be. Or um, you know, it could be boundaries around time or space. And what I have come to understand is that boundaries are actually not about other people at all. They're about us. So when I create a boundary, it's no longer about what other people can or can't do or what I expect from other people. It's about what I am comfortable with and what I find appropriate in my own life. So I guess my definition of a boundary is kind of the parameters that I put around myself so that I am able to do the things that I need to do for me and for my people and for my mission in the world and to help make sure that I can protect my own time and energy and emotions and whatever else I need to make sure that I'm taking care of so that I can do all of the other things that matter to me. I love that. But suppose someone's listening to this and maybe that someone is me and I'm like, but I don't (laughs) want people to call me after nine o'clock. It is about stopping them. How would you turn that around? Because you just gave the example of the nine o'clock. Yes. So that's, and I give that example because I am, I wake up ridiculously early. And so people know my sister texted me last night, I think at 830 something. And I saw it this morning at 5am. Um, so it's kind of like, you can call me after nine o'clock, but it's not going to get you anywhere. And that's the thing is if I don't want somebody to call me after nine o'clock, it's not about, I, cause I can't control what you do. So I can say, Hey, I don't want to have anybody call me after nine o'clock. And you can say, well, that's great, but I'm going to call you at 10 anyway. Or, you know, maybe you forget, or maybe, you know, we're in a different time zone and somebody makes a phone call. So at the end of the day, I really can't control what other people choose to do. But if I don't want people calling me after nine o'clock, I can decide, okay, so my boundary for myself is I don't answer calls after nine o'clock. Or maybe my boundary is I have my phone somewhere where it's not going to bother me. So the focus really is not on controlling the other person's behavior, but on choosing how I'm going to respond to the situation. So I clearly communicate to people when I am not available to be called. And pretty much people in my circle know if they call me after a certain time, 
they can leave a voicemail, but they're not going to get a response until the following day. And so it's, you know, I hate the idea of it's, you're kind of training people to have an expectation, but you really are. You're establishing an expectation of if you choose not to respect this boundary or if this boundary is something that you forget or whatever happens, that's okay. That happens. I'm going to hold firm to that boundary because it's my boundary. Right? It's not anybody else's. You know, another example would be if I have a boundary about what I will and, and won't allow people to talk about. So I, I've given this example before as me personally, I'm somebody who for a very long time was very focused on intentional weight loss. And I have shifted in recent years away from dieting. I don't believe that dieting is a healthy space for me. It doesn't bring me physically where I want to be mentally, emotionally. So I have a boundary that I choose not to participate in diet conversation. Well, if I'm out with my friends and they're on diets and they want to talk about it, I'm not, you know, I'm not in charge of the table. I don't get to decide who can talk about what, but I can choose to create a boundary around how I engage, how I show up in that conversation. So that's just kind of another example of Yes, sometimes we have boundaries where we might say, I prefer this or I prefer that. But at the end of the day, we have to kind of accept that we have very little control over other people's choices. There will be people who accidentally step over our boundaries. And unfortunately, there will probably be people in our lives who will purposely choose to step over our boundaries. At that point, we just have to decide, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to respond? Because again, it's about me, what I'm comfortable with, and what parameters I need in my life. So the example of going out for lunch with the girlfriends and that being topic of conversation. And I'm sure many people have this where you like in your case, it's around having discussions around dieting, but maybe you've said, you know what, I don't want to be gossiping about another friend that's not there. or I don't want to participate in that. That's not who I want to be. That's not the type of life that I want to have. Mm -hmm. So when you're in that situation, what do you do? I am a very transparent person and I tend to be, I always say I'm, and this is kind of one of those boundary things also. I think I'm a very kind, very loving person, but I'm also very direct. And I think those things can coexist. You can be direct and speak with kindness. So if I were in a situation where people were gossiping, and that's also a boundary where I don't, you know, I don't want to be sitting there while people are talking badly about someone else. I might say directly, I don't really want to have a conversation about somebody who's not here. You know, what else might we talk about? Mm -hmm. um, or if you're someone, and again, you know, speaking different people have different perspectives. Some people are not as comfortable being so direct. So sometimes it's simply a matter of changing the conversation, you know, picking up if somebody was like, oh, I saw so-and-so yesterday at the, you know, the Harris Teeter and they were doing blah, blah, blah. And I realize Harris Teeter is probably a very American thing. It's a grocery store. So, <laughs> you know. You might just jump in and say, oh my gosh, have you had their pizza? It's great. And just kind of segue into something new. So you can be very direct and, and say, you know, hey, I have this boundary around, I'm, I don't like talking about people who aren't in the room. I don't find it appropriate or it makes me feel icky. Or if you're not comfortable addressing it directly, which I think is also when boundaries and setting boundaries and maintaining boundaries are newer. Um, it can be sometimes harder to address them directly and feel confident in our ability to do that. I feel like that's like a muscle that sometimes you have to flex over time. So sometimes it's just kind of tapping into something else or finding a way to kind of segue the conversation in a new direction. 
I love that. And I don't feel like there's one right way to do it. As you were speaking, I thought, I know people who do that. Just lovely. And the next thing you know, you're off having a wonderful conversation about the fabulous pizza that they have there. And everybody's forgotten about Mm -hmm. what was just happening. Sometimes we're just like crows with shiny objects. (laughs) And I love that because I feel like that's such a easily, I'm going to make up a word here, pick upable. A tool, a pick upable tool. I love that example. Well, and one of the things that I, you know, I think is so interesting about boundaries is sometimes people say, oh, I struggle to set boundaries. And I would argue that that is not true. Most of us are very, very good at setting boundaries. What we're not good at is maintaining the boundary. So we can say, oh, I have this boundary that I don't want to be in a conversation where people are gossiping, or I have this boundary where I don't want people calling me before after a certain time, or maybe I have a boundary about my workday ends at six o'clock, but then you get a text from your boss at 6.15 saying we have this emergency thing and you say, okay, no problem. Or you're in a conversation where people are talking about things that you don't really want to talk about, but you don't want to be rude. So you just kind of sit there and suffer through it. And again, I think a lot of that goes back to so many of us are socialized to not rock the boat. And so we fear that speaking up and holding that boundary is going to cause friction or it's going to cause other people to not be agreeable. Um, or to be upset with us. And yes, sometimes that happens and then we have to deal with the backlash. But one of the other things that I have learned is people respect people who have boundaries. Um, And I'll give a business example. At one point I had my calendar, I'm a coach. And so um, my calendar is set up so my clients can go into my calendar and book their sessions. My calendar was also set up so that if anybody I met with, you know, networking wanted to connect, they could go into my calendar and schedule a call. It was also set up so people in my community who wanted to schedule a call could, and it was all just kind of my calendar was open and any time that was open in the calendar that I hadn't blocked out, they could book time with me on the phone. Sounds great, except for when you're trying to run a business and you're trying to be the service provider and you're trying to do all of the things and have a life and you start realizing that, oh, well, this person scheduled this kind of call here and then this person scheduled this here and then it doesn't leave room for this. It was really, at one point I started getting really overwhelmed by just like weird things on my calendar and and things that seemed like, okay, this isn't the most logical use of my time. I have these tiny gaps. I don't have these concentrated periods. And I remember someone I was working with at the time suggesting to me that I block out like specific days for certain kinds of calls. So like if you're a prospective client who wants to talk to me about working with me, I only have those calls on Mondays and Fridays because Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays are for my client calls. And initially that was so scary because I was like, oh my gosh, but what if somebody wants to have this call and they go into my calendar and I'm booked out and they can't, you know, it's Wednesday and Friday's booked and Monday's booked. And then they have to wait a week and a half. And what if they're like, well, I don't want to have to wait. I'll find another coach. They're a dime a dozen. And so there was this, you know, this kind of fear that comes up. And I think sometimes that happens if we're in a place of scarcity or we're afraid that, you know, it's going to create scarcity. But one of the things that I have discovered is if people want to talk to me and they go into my calendar and the time that they want is not available, well, pick a time that is. If somebody says to me, hey, I want you to be involved in XYZ and I say, great, 
here's the time I have available to be involved in that project. I'd love to collaborate. If they really want me as a collaborator, they're gonna, we're going to negotiate and they're going to work around my schedule. I don't have to say, oh, well, let me cancel all my plans so I can jump in on that. And so I think just sometimes we think that if we hold a boundary, it's going to maybe be to our detriment or it's going to hurt a relationship. But I have found that by and large, people respect your boundaries. And I would argue that the people who don't may be people that you need to reevaluate their role in kind of your circle. Oh boy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know that was a lot. <laughs> no, no, not at all. That was a wonderful example. I really love that because so much of the tension around the boundary setting part is actually internal. The resistance, what I'm hearing is that the resistance to establishing the boundary is actually in our own mind around how other people are going to respond to to the way that we are. What is the point of worrying? We're telling ourselves a story about an outcome that hasn't happened yet for an action that we haven't taken. It's a whole lot of time and energy being invested into that. Yes. I'm like, wow, that was really powerful because there is that element of the internal resistance to setting the boundary, but you also said that's not usually the hardest part. Like usually we actually do have an internal boundary. We know that we don't want to be at the beck and call of our boss after business hours. We intuitively know that. And the setting of the boundary in our knowing, that's the setting. So I know that I don't want my boss to call me after hours and say, oh, I need you to work on this right now when I'm sorry, I'm going to yoga. But... (laughs) So there is a boundary there. The hardest part actually seems to be in the articulation of the boundary to others, which is when you're actually saying to the world and to those in our lives, I'm going to tell you what my boundary is with an expectation that we will keep this boundary. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think, you know, you kind of touched on it's that knowing piece. So if I know what my values are, if I know what's important and what's not in my life, if I am clear on my goals and what I need to do to get there, then my boundaries become very clear to me. I know what I need to do to get where I want to go. I know what matters and what doesn't, which means I also know what to say yes to and what to say no to. When I think about putting that out into the world, it's that, well, what if somebody thinks this or what if somebody says this? I think this is true for a lot of things that we do. Um, Any situation where we kind of feel like we're putting ourselves out there, I think there's this element of fear that crops up for a lot of us. We are meant to be in community with each other. There's always that element of, I don't want to be rejected by people that I want to be in community with. So really thinking about how do I want to approach it? You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that saying no is a good thing because sometimes you have to say no to things that aren't aligned in order to be able to say yes to things that are. And I think when you're able to articulate to people why you're saying no, um, I think initially that is helpful for a lot of people when they say no is to have that explanation. But I even tell people no is a complete sentence. I wrote a blog a few years ago called no is a complete sentence because I can decline an invitation and I feel no obligation to explain why I'm declining. 
but it's, again, it's one of those things where I feel like it's a muscle. It has to be practiced for most of us saying no and being comfortable in the no and not feeling that like, oh my gosh, what are they going to say? How is this going to play out is not the default. That's what happens over time. That's kind of the, the evolution of the process. I love that. I feel like so many people, they expect the big bang. Okay. I'm going to implement this all. Like Becky's told me what to do. Now I'm going to jump in and I'm going to have firm boundaries, but you're saying it's like a muscle. Okay. I've tried this. (laughs) I go and do my additional 10 minute ab workout. And then I look in the mirror and I don't have instant abs. I don't understand what I'm doing. Why doesn't that happen? Right. So What I'm hearing is that boundaries kind of really do work just like muscles. And that is your ability to apply them in your life gets stronger with practice. So I might not see abs today, but should I be consistent in my working out, then there is hope in the future that they will get. And even if I don't see them, they will be stronger for sure. They will be stronger than they were on day one. Yes. And that is, I feel like that's a concept that's very near and dear to me because I think one of the things that I, I would even say struggle, um, I guess is the best word, even though I'm, I'm not always in love with that word. One of the things I struggled with initially in coaching is the idea that I think some people, you know, when you're a life coach and, you know, people tell these stories of these massive shifts. And I think, you know, people have massive shifts and that's a beautiful thing, but a lot of people don't. Or people say, you know, I want my life to change. I want my life to be different, but I don't want to leave my partner. I don't want to leave my kids. I don't want to quit my job. I don't want to move to a new place. You know, you hear these stories about people that it's like, oh, I got a divorce and moved across the country or I quit my job and went and lived in an RV and, and they have these wonderful, powerful stories. But if you're somebody for whom that doesn't resonate, it's kind of like, well, what do the rest of us do? I like to use the example because um, I think Elizabeth Gilbert is beautiful, wonderful. You know, I follow her on social media and she has, you know, great perspective. But I think about, you know, when I remember when the Eat, Pray, Love movie came out, I feel like it was all the rage and, you know, it was kind of like, oh yeah, going and having this journey and traveling and great. It's great to have those experiences, but those experiences are not required for change. And people can change their lives dramatically in small incremental ways that add up over time. Um, And it's the same concept with any kind of change, any kind of growth, in my opinion, Um, And so boundaries is a piece of that where you may not go from, I'm super uncomfortable setting and maintaining a boundary with anyone. And I don't know how to do it to like, I can set a boundary with anyone, anytime, any place with no problem. Most people are not going to go from that first place to that second place in a day, right? It's going to be, okay, where am I starting from? That's my first small step forward. So if I'm not comfortable articulating boundaries, maybe that's something I want to practice, right? Maybe I want to practice those simple ways to kind of reframe things where I don't have to necessarily be, you know, very in your face for lack of a better term about a boundary, you know, okay. If I'm struggling with, you know, how to address people respecting my boundaries, what might be the best, you know, next step for me, if I'm not sure if a boundary is the right thing for me or not. So I think it's really 
something that's individualized, but I think kind of the common theme is that idea of we can make small incremental progress that is sustainable over time. Um, and that by sometimes by taking the baby steps, that's actually how you get to the end result that you want. Because sometimes if you try to go too far too fast, it's like you almost have like whiplash and you can't stay there. Oh, yes. And I think that Elizabeth Gilbert herself would likely say that she came from a place of immense privilege to be able to take that time and follow the journey and the path that she did. Well, I love that you mentioned that because I think sometimes that that is an important part of the conversation is that, you know, some of us have different levels of privilege than others. And so, you know, wherever people are starting from, I always believe that people can create change in their lives regardless of their circumstances that said, I realize that people are starting at different places and, and, you know, you kind of have to meet yourself where you are and give yourself that grace to just move forward and not have any judgment about maybe you're starting and you feel like you're behind somebody else, or maybe you feel like your journey is taking longer. It doesn't matter. It's your yeah. journey. It's going to look different for everyone. Absolutely. And so often what happens is people don't compare their journey in to somebody else's mid journey. We see somebody who's come. Now we see Elizabeth Gilbert after the movie's out, after Julia Roberts has played her, after the book has been published, after she's like Glennon Doyle's bestie. You know, we see all the after and we go, we can't even imagine. We can't even imagine that our life would be going in that direction because we're mid journey and we don't know what the outcome's going to be. And you look at someone like Martha Beck, Harvard educated and professor and, you know, married with, I, I can't remember if she has three or four children and advisor to Oprah and all of this, but she says, don't do what I did. She, whenever you hear right. her talk, she's like, don't do everything. Don't give up your job, give up your marriage, give up your, you know, sexual identity because she discovered she was gay. You know, all of those things. And she'll say, don't do it. You don't need to do the radical change. What she advocates for is not what she actually went through. And she brings up the example that I've heard her and James Clear from Atomic Habits talking about radical transformation can happen from a one degree turn, one degree. Mm -hmm. Can you even figure like, oh, I'm pointing my hand at 45. No, it's 46 degrees. Like it's so <laughs> small, you can't even see it. But if you got on a plane and it was pointed in one direction and at the beginning of a long haul flight, they decided to go off by one degree. If you're on your way to Hawaii, you are definitely not ending up in Hawaii at one degree off. You might end up in a different continent. If it's long enough, it's enough to take you to a different hemisphere. It's so far off. And you would say, but the pilot could say, but I was only off by one degree, but I was only off by one degree. That's the hope. If you can take on this small thing and then allow that one degree to be built on another one degree, it will just keep progressing. So mm -hmm. I completely agree with you about the small incremental changes and they can be so small that they just become a part of you without you even really realizing that you've internalized them. Yeah. And I talk, I do a mindset talk every week on Clubhouse. I don't know if you're on the, the Clubhouse audio app, but I do um, a mindset room every Saturday on Clubhouse. 
And one of the things that I find myself talking about all the time is this very topic. People say, you know, how do I get started or how do I get unstuck? And my response is always figure out what the smallest possible step forward is. And that's just tied to the idea that, and this was, again, an idea that I had for many, many, many years that, oh, I have to have motivation in order to create the change I want. And I think a lot of us, it's like, we're waiting for the motivation to wake up earlier, or we're waiting for the motivation to go to the gym, and we're waiting for the motivation to, you know, work on that project. And we spend a lot of time waiting for motivation that isn't going to come because we don't realize that motivation doesn't happen. Motivation is created. Um, and the most, one of the most powerful things that anyone has ever said to me or that I have ever learned is motivation follows action. So if we want to be motivated, we have to take action because when we start taking that action, that action creates momentum and that momentum helps us to stay motivated. Well, what's the key to taking action? In my opinion, and um, I find that this is very true for a lot of people, the best way to take action is to make it as easy as possible to take action. So like you said, it's that one degree. If I can take action at that one degree level, but I'm doing it with consistency, I'm creating the motivation, I'm creating the momentum, and that's going to keep me moving forward. And then over time, like you said, that course could shift so drastically just from that small, incremental, consistent action toward what we want. It feels almost counterintuitive because our culture is obsessed with the biggest. Mm -hmm. Everything is like go hard or go home, all in, no pain, no gain. And it's all about the big substantial changes. So to say to people, well, try setting a small boundary, try establishing it in a small way first. And this is your first step. Just this one thing, one boundary, like I won't check my emails after 6 p.m. The email comes in, but you haven't checked it because you said I'm not checking. And for someone that might not be their starting point, that might actually be like their fifth step because that might be too big, (laughs) right? So what you're saying is so counter to so many beliefs that we hold in North American culture about how change is made. Yes. And I tell folks all the time, you know, Certainly there are, you know, there's a time and a place for big leaps. Um, I think that, you know, they have power of their own, but I know for me, there have been a lot of times where I've taken big leaps and even if they've been successful, they haven't necessarily been sustainable. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I not to harp on the weight loss thing, but I think about how often people have stories. Oh, I lost a ton of weight very quickly. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years and I'm back where I started or I'm back where I started plus 30 pounds. So again, you can have a big leap and see success, but have it not necessarily be sustainable. And I think that's true with any habit. And if you're not building that muscle, right, you're not able to sustain that change. But if you're teaching your brain, hey, we're just going to shift this 1% and we're just going to focus on this one small thing. And then we're going to focus on the next small thing. You're teaching your brain how to make progress. You're teaching yourself how to commit and how to be consistent. And I think you also start to reshape the way that you see yourself. Because I know for me, when I start showing up for things that matter with consistency, I start viewing myself as somebody who's investing in the things that matter. And then that's going to perpetuate more of that. 
going to help build my confidence. It's going to help me feel better. Um, so with the boundaries, it's like, you know, the first time you set a boundary, it might be terrifying. Um, and like you said, it might feel like, you know, not checking this email is the hardest thing in the world to me. It might be, I'm only going to check my email, you know, three times after 6 p.m. as opposed to 20. <laughs> but once we're able to do it and we see that we do it successfully, it really helps us to kind of reframe and go, okay, well, I did it. I was able to do it. And then, oh my gosh, nothing exploded. Nobody was angry at me. All of the kind of imaginary backlash that I was fearing was all in my mind. And we start to see that very often the things that we're fearful of aren't happening except for in our own minds. And so then we're kind of able to embrace like, okay, well, that totally was fine. And actually nobody even noticed that I didn't check my email last night. I'm going to try that again. And then once you realize like, oh, this is totally a thing that I do now and nobody has even commented on it. We start to see that sometimes the person who struggles most with our boundaries is us. Now in those situations, because I know historically it has been me that has struggled. So let's go back to the lunch analogy. We're out for lunch. We start talking about someone and I say, I really don't feel comfortable talking about someone who's not here, or I've tried to distract them with the fabulous pizza. But they're intent on coming back to the conversation or maybe afterwards, I hear that some of these people are talking about me and my boundary setting. They go off and they're like, can you believe that Tatiana, you know, she used to do that too. What's going on with her? And now they're talking negatively about me. And now I'm like, oh my gosh. I tried to set a boundary and I think about all the times that I wasn't perfect. And I think about all the times that I said something unkind that I feel bad about saying now. And so I feel like those words that they're saying, they're kind of true because sometimes that happens. Like we set a boundary and maybe the worst case does come true. What do you say when women or men are in that position? They've set a boundary and now other people around them are not happy about the boundary. So I think there's a couple of ways that you can approach this. Um, I am a mindset. And so this is just my personality where if I set a boundary and somebody wants to talk about it or they don't respect it or they don't appreciate it, by and large, I just don't care because my boundaries are about me and what I need. And I've gotten to the point where if somebody's like, oh my gosh, can you believe that like Becky goes to sleep at such and such time on the weekends? Well, I believe it because I need that sleep to do the things I need to do. And I just don't really internalize it because I think anytime somebody pushes back against a boundary that I have, it's a them thing. It's not a me thing. Their problem isn't with me. It's with probably something going on with them. Maybe they wish they had set a boundary or maybe they're realizing like, oh, you know, in that example of, you know, maybe you're somebody who has gossiped in the past and you've made a conscious choice that you want to grow into somebody who doesn't do that anymore. Well, maybe they're looking at that and it sounds like they're judging you, but they're really judging themselves for being staying in that place that you've chosen to grow out of. So sometimes for me, I just, I choose to ignore it. I think even if it does bother you, sometimes just doing the mindset work around why it bothers you and how to process it and choosing not to address it is another option. If it's a situation where you want to address it, um, again, I'm somebody who is, um, I tend to be very transparent. And so if somebody has a problem with a boundary and I feel like I need to address it, I'll just ask them. Again, direct but kind. Just say, hey, I heard that it bothers you. 
that I don't want to talk about people when they're not around. I'd love to know, you know, what's going on there. You know, give them the opportunity to kind of share. And, and they might say, oh, well, I just kind of felt like, you know, you were being judgy. You know, and then I might have an opportunity to say, no, I wasn't being judgy at all. I just realized I am starting to feel really uncomfortable about the fact that I talk about people when they're not around. And so I don't want that temptation. Like you can continue to do what you choose to do, but I don't want to participate. You know, it might be that the person says, well, I don't know. I just, I don't like someone controlling, you know, what I say or what I don't say. And then I can address that. And, you know, depending on and how, you know, what your personality is, it may be, you know, hey, I'm not trying to control the conversation. But, you know, when you're with a group of people, it's probably a good idea for everybody to like the conversation you're having. You know, if I started talking about things that you were uncomfortable about, like, you might be like, hey, can we not talk about that invasive medical procedure that you're describing in great detail? Um, I'm also a big fan of using humor, especially like in a situation where you're in the situation and it's like, okay, I tried to change the subject. It's not working. I tried it. It's not working. You know, putting a joke out there like, hey, I hate to hear what's said when I'm not at this table. Like what's happening here, folks? And, you know, just, just kind of lightening the mood a little bit. Because again, I think any time that people push back on our boundaries, it usually says a lot more about what's happening with them than what's happening in our dynamic relationally. I love the use of humor. I love that because so often we think, oh, I'm doing something because I'm trying to be, to grow into my better self. And so then we get really serious about it. And we can be fun, loving, kind, gentle people too. And we can also be funny AF. Yes. <laughs> right. So I like to think that my best self is very funny and takes things with a, a certain level of lightness. And I think that's the other piece of it too, is kind of approaching our boundaries from that perspective. Like I take my boundaries seriously. They're important to me but I could also be lighthearted in them because I realized that they're mine. They're not anybody else's. I don't have to take it super seriously with you. If you don't understand, it's okay. I'm just going to continue on my merry way. Mm -hmm. So much good in that. And what I'm taking away is that usually the person that is the hardest to get on side with the boundary setting is ourselves. Yes. And, and that sometimes our mothers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I just say that because I Kinda. had a conversation with my mom the other day about that. Because I do sometimes think that the people that we're closest with, that's when it's hardest to maintain boundaries. Mm. And I was having a conversation with my mother the other day about just that idea of sometimes people make the assumption of, oh, if I set a boundary, I'm not a nice person. And I said, I think I'm an extremely nice person. I think I'm I'm very kind. I think I'm generous with my time and I feel like I'm good at being present for others. At least I've been told that, that I show up for people, especially when they're in need. I said, but I also feel like I am really, really good at setting boundaries and saying no with a smile, even to my own mother. So I think, you know, just realizing that sometimes it's the people that are closest to us that we struggle the most to set boundaries with. But we also should realize that if they're the people that are closest to us, they're going to love us anyway. So we don't really have to be as afraid as we think we do. Yes. Oh, that, that just gave me that warm feeling. That's really what love is. If people love us, those closest to us, they observe the journey and it doesn't mean they won't push back on some of the boundaries, but they'll stick with us. Yeah. Those, those that truly care stick with you. Yeah. 
and they don't necessarily have to understand. And I think that's the kind of the final piece of the puzzle is sometimes we feel like, well, if I can just explain my boundaries to other people in ways that they'll understand them. And that's certainly an option, but sometimes people aren't going to understand your choices because again, your choices need to be rooted in who you are to core in what you value in what matters to you and in the vision you have. Well, mm -hmm. if somebody's not living in your brain, they don't have access to all that information. And so they may look at one of your boundaries and be like, I just don't get it. And that's okay. Sometimes yeah. people have boundaries that I don't get. And I'm like, you do you, you know? Oh, so much wisdom, Becky. I have <laughs> just enjoyed this conversation immensely. I want to Me say too. thank you so much coming on and talking about what I find to be a very challenging topic. And you've just explained it so clearly. And I'd like if any of our listeners here today would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way to connect with you? So I would say two ways. If they want to connect with me directly, they can email me and it's Becky at HireGoodCoaching.com and it's Hire with a G-H, um, <laughs> clarify that. And then if they want to just kind of get a sense of me and what I'm about and what I talk about and all that kind of stuff, um, I run a community on Facebook called the Women's Growth Circle. Um, so they can connect with me there as well. And I, I try to be present there and provide some food for thought and, and talk about all kinds of different mindset things. And I will make sure to put some of this information into the show notes so that they can get access to you as quickly as possible. Um, I am going to shoot over to you just a, a boundaries guide that I created to kind of walk people through some thinking around setting and maintaining boundaries and then also kind of reevaluating boundaries because as we learn and grow and evolve, it's always important to kind of revisit where we're at with things. Thank you. And I have a private Facebook group for the Happiest Ever After podcast for my little pod squad. And so I will make sure to share it in there as well. So with that, I just want to say again, Becky, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your generosity of spirit to share with us today. Thank you. I appreciate you. And thank you for having me. I love connecting and talking about these kinds of topics. And I love when I meet people who are in the world having these conversations and facilitating these conversations. Thank you for bringing your time and talents to the world. And now for the recap. Boundaries aren't a bad thing. You can be a nice and kind person and still have strong boundaries because boundaries are not about controlling others. They are about giving voice to your inner preferences and needs. Boundaries are not about others. They are fundamentally about us. And I think that Becky put it so marvelously when she said that boundaries are the parameters that she puts around herself so that she can do things she needs to do for herself and her people so she can show up in the world. She sets boundaries so she can protect her time, energy, and emotions so that she can bring her best self to the world. When she put it that way, it really sunk in for me that boundaries are really not selfish or controlling, but a gift of clarity for others and self-care for ourselves. She also pointed out that it's usually not the setting of the boundaries that's difficult. Usually we have that inner knowing, we know what the boundary is, 
but it is about the articulation, the voicing, the saying out loud of the boundary, and then the keeping of the boundary that can be really problematic for some of us because we can get caught up in the concern about creating friction with others. But the reality is that's often not the case. It's just us being fearful. And really, that is the inner work that we talk about so often on this podcast. It is natural to want to be in community. We all want to belong. But when we are triggered, it's an opportunity to do some digging to understand where is that coming from? Is there a fear of rejection? Once we understand that our struggles with setting boundaries is really about us, then we can accept that the work to do is work that only we can do because it is ours and not someone else's. Is this going to be easy? For some, it might be, but for others, it might not be. But like the ab workout, if you want to build the muscles, you got to put in the work. So yes, if you practice setting boundaries, your ability to set them and hold them will get stronger with practice. And the most important piece of advice I think that Becky gave us was to be kind to ourselves. She talked about taking the smallest possible step and focus on the little shifts instead of the big ones. The small incremental steps in giving yourself grace and speak to yourself with kindness. You are going to get there. I absolutely love this episode and Becky was such a wonderful guest and there are even more amazing guests coming in the weeks ahead. You won't want to miss them, really, you don't. Honestly, I've recorded some already and I've just got them ready to release to you guys and they are changing the way that I see the world. I would so appreciate it if you would rate, review and follow the show. It makes such a difference with the various podcast algorithms and I personally appreciate it. But the best way still to share the wisdom and inspiration of these guests is to simply share the podcast with others. Hit the three dots on the podcast app and click share. And it's that easy to send it to your friends. And also when you share it with your friends, that means you've got somebody to talk about it. with, And that's a lot of fun too. So thank you again for being part of my happy-ish fam. I appreciate each and every one of you. And much love on your journey.